Connected libraries wish to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which this podcast is being held. We wish to pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging, and any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander peoples who may be listening. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Book Matters. We are your one-stop destination for everything about books, reading, and authors. We chat to great writers from Australia and all over the world, as well as bringing you some great reading reviews from our staff here at the library. So make yourself a cuppa, sit back, and enjoy. On Book Matters, we like to shine a light on authors who are publishing their first book. And in this special episode, Courtney talks to debut Australian author Lucy Campbell about her compelling mystery novel, Low Bridge, which is a heart-wrenching mystery about the girls who are lost, the ones who are mourned, and those who are forgotten, in a town simmering with divisions and a cast of unforgettable characters. We hope you enjoy. Lucy Campbell has worked as a writer and sub-editor across both print and digital platforms in magazines, newspapers and non-fiction books. Lowbridge, a rural mystery spanning decades, marks her debut into the world of fiction writing. Welcome to Book Matters, Lucy. Thanks so much for having me, Courtney. Thank you for coming. So before we get into talking about your book and Lowbridge, can you just tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, so I first got into publishing when I was in my 20s. I studied an English literature degree at uni, which is basically reading and writing, and I just loved it. So I always knew that was where I was going to go with things. My first publishing job was with was in London, writing educational brochures, and it paid nothing. I was practically working for free, but I was so excited to be in the industry, I didn't care. And then I moved back to Sydney, and I worked on a variety of magazines there. And then we moved to the Southern Highlands of New South Wales, which is where Lowbridge is very loosely based. And I started working on on the Canberra Times and commuting to and fro. And finally, we moved to Canberra about 10 years ago, and I was doing different jobs down here and then decided that I needed to focus on my own writing rather than working for other people, and that's how Lowbridge started. Yeah, so was it always the dream to be an author and writing mystery fiction, or did you just fall into that? It was always the dream to be an author, but certainly not mystery fiction. That was a bit of a surprise to me. Oh, okay. I didn't plan it that way. It's just the way it turned out. But I've always loved writing, and from when I was a child, writing things for myself, But as the years went on and as I got involved with work and family and everything else, I didn't really make enough time for it. So it's taken me this long to finally decide it was something I wanted to get back to and to focus on. Yeah. And so this is your debut novel and we'll get deeper into discussing it in a minute, but I just wanted to ask about your experience of being a debut author, obviously getting to that point where you decide, yes, I'm going to do this, I'm going to write it, actually writing it, getting it publisher getting it published what what's that been like so when I first started writing it I was really just writing for me I wasn't sure about what was going to happen in the end because the statistics of getting published yeah remote that it I wasn't really writing with that in mind I was just enjoying being back in the habit of writing and then I showed it to my sister who said, I think this is really good. And she had she knew someone who had worked in publishing and she said, do you want me to just pass it on to them and they can say whether they think it's got potential or whether mm. to just give up? And so we did that and she and the lady who read it, Miranda Van Ash, was fantastic and really positive and said to me, I think you should keep going and I will help you. And that sort of made all the difference. That's when I thought, oh, maybe this is going somewhere. It's not just going to sit in the bottom drawer of my desk and be forgotten. 
and yeah, so from there, I, I did a program with the Australian Writers Mentoring Program, yep. which is fantastic. And and James Bradley, who was my mentor there, then mm. gave me a list, or I gave him a list of agents, and he said, I think you should add Martin Shaw to your list. So I did, and Martin got back to me and said, I think this has got something, I'll be in touch with the contract. And, and so it took off from there. But there are long periods in between where there's nothing happening, where you're yeah. sending it out and hoping for feedback and getting nothing, and you don't know whether that's because it's been lost or whether the publisher has read it and didn't like it or whether they just haven't got to it yet so there's sort of these periods of nothing and then there's a great flurry of burst activity (laughs) (laughs) and then there's nothing for a long time bumps and roundabouts and I think and I think we have a lot of those mentor programs there's quite a few of them in Australia we have a lot of great debut and Australian authors who come out of those programs so I think as a reader I'm very grateful for those programs they're so helpful in just yeah. getting you to focus and think about what you're writing and think about new ways of doing things and especially mm. if you're in a if you're in a rut and which I was I had written so many drafts and I just felt like I haven't I've got to get this to another level and I don't know how to do it so having yeah. conversations with someone who's done it all before and talked people through it before other writers through it before was just invaluable and then of course I think that helps you with contacts and things as well so definitely recommend it absolutely so Lowbridge for those who are listening who haven't been able to pick a copy up yet can you give them an overview of what the novel is about yeah so Lowbridge is about a teenage girl who goes missing in the 1980s in 1987 and whose disappearance becomes an obsession for a woman grieving the loss of her own daughter three decades later. But it's not all about misery and grief. It's also got, you know, the half of, there's two, uh, dual timelines and the part that's set in the 80s is about these three teenage girls having fun, enjoying life. There's a lot of 80s references and throwbacks. And I think that was a fun time. So I had a little fun writing that. And it's also about friendship and hope and love. So I hope people can take that away from it and not just think it's a, a miserable, depressing crime story. Oh, it certainly wasn't, but I will touch on that. But I want to touch on first, you said you talk about how it alternates between the two timelines, 1987 and 2018. What was the deciding factor that ended up having you structure the novel that way? I think the very first draft I had it all based in the present but looking back and that wasn't working I needed to get back into that day and write it in that tense to make it work mm. so I played around with a few things and then decided that was the best way to do it and then it made sense just to have the alternating chapters to make it clearer to the reader rather than jumping back and forth in any kind of disjointed fashion and it also gave me sometimes when I'm struggling with what was going on in 2018 I could go I'm just going to focus on 1987 chapters for now so it was a really good way to break things up for me if I was struggling a little bit. And so with that did you have sort of separate timelines were you pacing I've forgotten what here did you write down sort of timelines of what's happening so you could keep track of what was happening in both timelines? Yeah, I did. And I'm a really messy, disorganised writer. So I just had a scrap. It was very chaotic. Sometimes I would think I knew what I was doing and what point I was at. And I'd go, no, that kind of happened now because this has happened before. It's really quite hard to keep a track of sometimes. Um, Yeah. I understand there are whole programs that you can get on your computer or apps where you can do these sort of timeline things. But I had nothing on that. I just had posted. 
Yes, there's some organised people in the world out there. I don't claim to be one of them. I've got like notes everywhere all over my desk. I'm in your boat, Lucy. And so the other thing I really liked was you interweave their stories and paste their stories quite well together. Did you find that challenging because you had the two separate storylines that were connected and making them meet in the middle towards the end? Was that a challenge to pull yeah, all those threads that. together? I think that's where, so I, it was, I could see it in my mind, but putting that on paper can be quite a different thing. And I think that's where James Bradley from the Australian Writers Mentor Program really helped because yeah. he would say, look at your pacing or this is going along really nicely here. And then we hit a lull here. Yeah. And that was very helpful because sometimes you just can't see yourself how it's going. But as I said, it's clear in your own head, but getting that on paper can be a difficult process. So it was really helpful having an outsider to advise on that. Yeah, fantastic. Now, you touched on this and how grief does form a part of the story of Lowbridge and particularly a mother's grief in a loss of a child. And in the last few years, my family have had an experience with that in the loss of a child, not me personally, but someone very close to me. And I really, I was touched how you sort of balance the raw emotion that those parents, and it's just not just the mother and the father as well, of, of having that experience but also that hope for the future of how things life does go on, for lack of a better phrase. And I'm just wondering about writing that character, how did you go about honestly depicting that in a way that didn't, as you say, become, oh, my God, this is just a grief-stricken story, but it was still honest to to that that grief that people do feel in that So it's really important to get that right because it is one of the key topics and you also want to be respectful of other people's grief, genuine real grief like fictional grief and I did a lot of reading around it I read Lee Sales any ordinary day I don't know if you've seen that yes yes. that was outstanding just in the way that she talked to people and in a lot of them said the same sorts of thing as well so there's obviously these common threads of grief and the other thing that was really good was on ABC they had the show you can't ask that they had yes. families who had people who were missing on it and just listening to them talk as well. They talk so much about the everyday things, like these little things that you don't think you would think about in a time of grief. But they said people were talking about how they felt going shopping or doing the school pickup, those sorts of things. So that was really useful in thinking about how to portray it. Yeah, it came across really well thought out and obviously you did do your research. So I think it was really important, I think, to get it right. Yeah, there were points where I could see, yes, I can reflect in seeing that experience in someone else that you've captured it in the character of Catherine. So that was, it was really, I thought, really well handled and that there was that grief but there was also I really loved that she found that hope and that ability for her to get out the house and to find that it was just that one little thing in coming across the historical society and that was the one little thing that got her going and then the next thing and it just yeah yeah, it captured the experience quite well I, I felt 
Thank you. And then, of course, the other one that really stood out to me was um, obviously in Tessa's storyline, 1987, the theme of women's rights, especially around our body's autonomy and abortion is a really central role. And it played, it started getting me thinking about what's going on right now and started getting me thinking about, especially like Roe v. Wade, did that play a part in you putting that storyline into the book? And what do you hope? from that storyline that readers will get out of reading the book? So I first started writing Lowbridge in 2020 and that was before Roe versus Wade was back in the news. Yep. And I started, when I was writing about the test timeline, so 1987, I can remember seeing on the news the rallies outside abortion clinics and they didn't have exclusion zones in those days. They just had women walking in and all these strangers, and they were usually middle-aged men, (laughs) shouting and ranting and raving. So that's still, that's not that long ago. And then, of course, in the middle of writing this, Roe versus Wade was back in the news. And it just made me think about there are so many ways that we have advanced in the last 40-odd years. But in terms of social issues like that, we have really haven't come that far as at all and we just cannot afford to take those victories for granted you would hope that things won't change in Australia but when you read around our abortion laws they're so unclear and confusing and they can't be taken for granted no and I think I think that's what's happened in America with Roe v Wade has very much highlighted that and then reading because the 80s were I was a baby in the 80s I didn't have the experience of things that happened in that time frame. It was interesting to think, oh, this was happening around the time I was born and I'm only in my 30s now and it doesn't seem like a long time. I feel old, but I'm told many times that I'm not old. (laughs) So it was quite interesting to reflect on that, that it wasn't actually that long ago that these things, and they could, as you say, happen again. It certainly did that for me. It did get me thinking about those sort of things. And talking about, you say, Roe wasn't happening, but it came in as you were writing the book. Was there any other real life experiences or anything that seeps into the novel from your real life or your real life experiences? Um, So I was a teenager in the 1980s and a lot of those sort of memories in the party scene, those sort of things were very, things that I observed or things that could have happened. It wasn't too far off reality. And Mm. come across as a little they might, I think they probably come across as a little bit shocking nowadays because we're all so much more aware of issues around consent and everything yes. else. Then, then again, we're not. We're still having conversations about girls who get drunk and who are therefore asking for it and yep. those sorts of things. So in a way it, it should be shocking, but I don't think it is. No, that's not something. Those things as societal norms in the 80s, but we are mm. still... We're not there yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course, you set this in a fictional rural town and these rural towns are very popular for these types of mystery books. And I really liked on the cover of your book because every time I read a mystery about in a set in a small town, this is what I think, and it's the on the cover it says, where everyone knows everyone, how can someone just disappear? And I was just wondering, is that the statement that you started with when you were writing the book? Or is that just, did that come to you as you were writing? Hang on, how can this make sense? It's small, everybody knows each other. How can someone just vanish? 
So one of the things I really like about being in a country town is that you can walk out your front door and walk for in the bush or wherever for three hours and not see a single soul and walk 300 metres in the other direction and meet your neighbours and your neighbours' dogs and your neighbours' friends and everyone else. So there's this sort of juxtaposition between the two. In one way, it can be quite isolating, but in another way, it's fairly claustrophobic. So I wanted to look at that a child could just disappear. You just you can't think of that happening anywhere, whether that's a country town or a city. How does mm. one vanish? So, yeah, it was a nice little tagline. That's actually credited yeah. to my publisher. <laughs> ah, it's certainly, yes, when I saw it, I'm like, yes, it's very true. It's just like, how? And so you touched on this all earlier as well. You didn't, the dream wasn't mystery fiction. So how did you land in writing a mystery novel? When I first decided I was going to get back into writing fiction, I was just writing little scenes and things for my own entertainment without any real purpose or subject. I was down at the local supermarket and on the Canberra milk cartons, they had photos of people who had gone missing. And some of them were people who had disappeared more recently and Mm. cases from 30 or 40 years ago. And I just stood there staring into the refrigerated section like a dairy obsessive (laughs) it just made me think firstly how does someone go missing like that what must it do to the family and friends who are left behind and what could the police possibly expect to find 30 or 40 years later that could shed new light on the case and that was when I first started writing Mm. a a crime fiction and do you think you'll continue writing mysteries or do you think perhaps other books down the line you might jump into other genres so my second one is a mystery and after that I'll see what happens I like the idea of just writing things based on something that captures your attention at the moment maybe once yeah. locked into a genre it could be a little more limiting yeah 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 to be inspired by milk the great thing about inspiration it can come in any form this is right <laughs> and so you've just touched on my next question you mentioned there is a book too it is a mystery is there anything else you can tell us about that one I can't really at this stage. It's very much a work in progress. (laughs) Yeah, fantastic. I will eagerly await it. So we are a bunch of book lovers here at Book Matters. So are you able to share with us one of your favourite books that you've read recently? Yeah, so just coming out of the school holidays, I took Demon Copperhead with me to the coast, not knowing anything about it absolutely enthralled by it and I'd only ever read the Poisonwood Bible I haven't read any other Barbara King novel but I think I'm going to have to other stories and the other writer that I've recently rediscovered was is an Australian writer called MJ Highland who wrote This Is Now I think about I think that was about 2000 and maybe mid 2000s and so I read This Is How and loved it a long time Mm. ago and thought it's perfect. I'm not going to read another one of her books because you know how sometimes if you read an author, you just want to keep that work. Yes. The sole one. Anyway, I decided after 10 years that I was ready to try something else of hers. So I read <laughs> the other two. One's called This Is How the Light Gets In. And I can't remember what the other one was called. Anyway, just absolutely brilliant. Just such a fantastic writer. And she's Australian. I think she lives in England. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, we definitely recommend anything by MJ Highland. 
Thank you for those recommendations. I haven't, I don't, I've not heard of her, but Demon Copperfield sounds familiar, but maybe that's Demon I'm Copperhead. Thinking. It's roughly based on David Copperfield. Yeah, maybe that's where my, I don't know, I'm just visualising the title, but I don't know why. So thank you. Now, if our audiences wanted to follow you online, what was the best platform for them to do that? So probably Instagram. I'm not prolific on social media. I am trying to be better. Yeah. Probably Instagram, which is Campbell Lucy. Is Great. my username. And I'm also on Twitter as Lucy N for Campbell. And I tend to look at Twitter rather than participate. Massively. Yes. I'm not a big social person. I'm more of a yeah, passive person with my social. I just scroll. I don't tend to post much. That's how important it is in publishing. and Yes, that's it. It is now. Getting the word out there. Yeah, and bookstagrams are the greatest thing ever. And yeah, book talk. It's nice. I'm learning as a thing. No, but I keep hearing about, I keep seeing this book is on book talk. I'm like, okay, all right. Give it a go. Got Colleen Hoover to thanks for that. Yes, I believe we do. Thank you, Colleen. <laughs> Thank you so much for the chat today, Lucy. It's been absolutely wonderful. For our audience who haven't already picked up a copy of Lowbridge, I certainly encourage you to do. Lowbridge is a poignant and flawless mystery set in a small town with divided opinions. The characters will endear themselves to you while the plot will keep you rugged up and reading till the very last page. Lowbridge is available from loan for loan from any connected libraries branch and as an ebook through our Libby Library. Thank you again, Lucy. I'm looking really forward to what you bring out next. Thanks so much for having me, Courtney. I've loved talking to you. Thank you. If you enjoy listening to Book Matters, we would love you to give us a rating at your favourite podcast provider. That way, other book lovers will be able to find us too. For more information on the books mentioned in this podcast, please go to connectedlibraries.org.au or visit our Facebook group, In a Nook with a Book, where you can tell us what you've been reading. Until next time, this has been Tim, and you've been listening to Book Matters, a Connected Libraries podcast for people who read books made by people who love reading. Goodbye.